Continue to pray, and that song says that all the earth will shout your praise. Would you just make that your prayer right now, that all the earth, all the nations of the earth, all the people groups on the planet would worship the name of Jesus? You know, Psalm says the exact same thing, that, that all the nations all the peoples of the earth will worship God. And so would you make that your prayer tonight that all the earth, all the nations would worship the name of Jesus. And now I just wanna ask that as we get started tonight and as we hear from God's word that you would say, God, would, would you speak to me in this moment and would, would you open my mind and, and my heart to maybe what role you would have me to play in all of the nations worshiping the name of Jesus? You may not even know what that means yet, but I just want you to pray that your heart and your mind would be open to the word of God tonight to give you a burden for the nations worshiping the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Revelation chapter seven that one day there will be a crowd that is so vast, no one can count it. It will be a people from every tribe, tongue, and language. They will be standing before the Father. They will be kneeling before Jesus and they will be worshiping Jesus, saying all glory and honor belongs to the Lamb who was slain. That's the, that's the end vision. That's, that's where we're headed. That's, that's where we're going. We're, we're going to be a part of a people that's so vast, nobody can count it, and it will have people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and they will be worshiping Jesus. That's what's on the heart of God, and, and God wants that to be on our hearts. And so I, I, just, I, I just want you to pray. You may not have any idea what this means yet or what your role in that could be, but would you just say in your heart, God, would you speak to me tonight about what my role could potentially be in all of the nations, like that song says, all the earth shouting the name of Jesus. Would you make that your prayer? God, I, I believe your word is gonna make us uncomfortable tonight. It, it makes me uncomfortable, it, it's supposed to do that. You've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us, enable us, but also to, to move us and to convict us, to correct us. And so it's not a bad thing to feel like we're being corrected by your word. It's a good thing. It means we, we've got the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's moving in us and correcting us and, and moving us and making us uncomfortable. And so, would you just in this moment say, God, make, you can make me uncomfortable tonight. Because I, I believe you will be because as I've been getting ready for this message, it makes me uncomfortable. God's word makes us uncomfortable. 
because it gives us a plumb line. It gives us a standard for our lives. And when our lives don't match up to it, we can either run from that conviction or we can embrace it and say, God, help me to live out your word and to be obedient to your word. So in this moment, we just say, God, help me to embrace your word tonight. Help me to embrace the, the conviction tonight. And whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'll do. Because you are Lord. And so as we finish, let's just all say, yes, Lord. Would you just say that out loud? Yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. If um, you're a Red Raider, you had to have a great Thanksgiving because, um, because we wrecked UT. And uh, our basketball team, I believe, is ranked number 22 in the nation after this past week. I got a chance to go and, and watch them play, and they're, they're incredible. And so, uh, man, a great week if you're a Red Raider. I had a great week with my family, and uh, my, my brothers and their wives came in town, and, and we got to be with my mom, and, and so we, we had a great time as a family. One of the things we do over breaks, whether it's Thanksgiving break or, or Christmas break, uh, is that we will let our kids 10 eight and four, we will let them stay up later than they normally do. You might remember that. No school, you get to stay up later. Well, that's true in the Walker house too, okay? No school, you get to stay up later. So one of the things our kids always ask to do each night during a break is to watch a movie. And we're like, well, you know, we can't do that every night. It's, it costs us, you know, it costs a lot of money to watch a movie every single night. They're talking about on-demand movies. And so but, but one of the nights we did, in one of the movies we, uh, my daughter Nixon wanted to watch because it had just come out on On Demand, we hadn't seen it yet, it was this movie called Leap. And it's about a dancer in Paris. And so she's wanted to see this, and, and so she says she wants to watch it, and of course my boys, 10 and eight year olds are like, no, we don't wanna watch Leap, it's about a girl who wants to dance. And, and she just, she thinks it's amazing. She's done dance before, she does gymnastics, and so she thought it'd be amazing to watch Leap, and so we watch it, and, and now my daughter, she wants to be a dancer, okay? It goes back and forth. She does dance, she wants to dance, she, she does gymnastics, she wants to be a, a, a gymnast, and so now she's watched the movie Leap, and so her ambition, her goal in life now is to be a dancer. She's going around her house dancing and doing all these moves and, you know, you know whatever and this and that, I don't know, but she's, she's going around her house doing all this stuff. She, she asked me, uh, like, two days ago, she said, Dad, can I can I uh, dance on the couch? And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, I want to do uh, some dance moves on the couch. I was like, oh, okay. So she's getting on the arm of the, of the couch and she's jumping off the couch and doing this like thing that the girl does in Leap where she like throws her legs up and, and she's, so she wants to be a dancer now. That's her ambition. That's her goal until she watches the next movie and then it'll be something else. But her ambition right now is to be a dancer. What if, well, if I asked you, what is your ambition? Like, what are you, what is your ambition in life right now? I would say just by looking at social media, like the collective look at, at social media, our ambition, like as a generation right now, um, would be sleeping for like 10 hours a day, um, you know, shopping or working out, depending upon what you like to do, like for four hours a day, playing with your puppies, or if you're my wife, you're, you know, a goat, for like four hours a day and then posting about that. Um, then, you know, going and, and, and uh, um, 
uh, on all these, all these things and, and driving to all these places in your Range Rover and uh, posting a picture of you driving your Range Rover. And so with just a few hours left in the day, you might be thinking, well, if, you, if you're doing all that, you know, all day long, well, what's, the, what's the rest of the time left for? Well, it's just, there's just facts of life. You, you, you've got to poop, you've got some drive time, and um, you got to work, you know? Maybe, you know, it would be most of our ambition probably to like work an hour a day and then do all those other things like for the rest of the day, but, but you got to work. There's some facts of life. There's just some things you got to do. But if I were to say, if I were just looking on social media, and I think if you were to do the same thing, like if you were just to take like a broad sweep of social media and say, what is our ambition like as a generation? I think you would find those things to be true. Finding the, the perfect spouse, which I found and you know, good luck, but, but, <laughs> but finding the, the, the perfect spouse, finding, uh, you know, the, the, the right friends and the people that, that will build you up and, and not tear you down. There, if you just look at social media, this is what, what, what most people are posting about. It's what our generation, and when I, I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about myself too, is what we seem to be ambitious about because it's what we talk about a lot, a lot, it's what we post about all the time. But I think you would agree with me that as a disciple of Jesus, in other words, a follower of Jesus, that our, and I say our, like if you're a follower of Jesus, I know there's some of you here and, and, and you're not, and we're happy you're here tonight. But as a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, our ambitions, our desires should look differently than the rest of the world. I think on some level you would probably agree that as a follower of Jesus, your ambitions and desires should probably look a little bit different than the rest of the world. And if you read the Bible, that's clearly true. Like our ambitions, our desires as followers of Jesus should look drastically different from the rest of the world. You might be thinking, well, what should a disciple of Jesus, what should a follower of Jesus, what should we be ambitious for? What should our ambition be as a follower of Jesus? Well, we've got a great example in Paul in Romans chapter 15 and what his ambition was as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. So if you've got a Bible, turn there, Romans 15. We'll have the verses on the screens at either end of the room. If you don't have um, your Bible, you can also go on your phone to RaiderChurch.com and select sermon notes and we'll have the verses there for you as well. Um, but I would highly encourage you tonight to read these verses along with me because I, I, I want you to hear and to see and to read what Paul has to say about his ambition is. And I think you'll find his ambition is probably different than most of ours. And my prayer tonight is that maybe our ambitions would shift to be a little bit closer to what Paul's ambition was. So Romans chapter 15. If you got a phone, you can look it up online. You can go to RaiderChurch.com, but please follow along with us and read this with us just for yourself. I, I just want you to read this and see this. Paul said this in Romans 15, starting in verse 18. He said, I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. 
bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, watch this. He says, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. Now, depending upon your translation, the idea here, when Paul says he's fully presented the good news about Jesus from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, the idea here is that he's been everywhere. Like everyone in these areas, in this region has heard the good news about Jesus. That's what he's meaning here. Like everyone in this region has heard from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. He's fully presented the good news about Jesus. That's the idea here. Verse 20, here's the key. You can underline this. I would circle this. I would mark this page in your Bible or in you version, wherever you're reading this. Paul says this, Romans 15, verse 20. My ambition has always been to preach the good news, watch this, where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather, than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never heard, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places, verse 23. But now, watch what he says again, I have finished my work in these regions. And after all these long years of waiting, I am eager to visit you. Paul says, I've finished the work that God has called me to do in these regions. All have heard. I've finished the work. And Paul says his ambition, I want you, you can write this down, put it in your phone. His ambition is for the unreached. Paul's ambition is for the unreached, for unreached people groups. And he explains what that is, where the name of Christ has not been heard, where those who have never heard about him, Paul's ambition is for those who've never heard to hear. Paul's ambition is for unreached people groups, people who've never heard the name of Jesus to hear the name of Jesus. That's his ambition. And did you notice that he said at the end in the very last verse, he said, now that I've finished that work, now I can come see you. He's talking to the Romans. Now I can come see you because I've eagerly been waiting and longing to come see you. Like Paul's got this relationship with the Romans and he, he wants to be with him. He wants to see them. Like that's what he wants, but his ambition for the unreached takes precedent. It's the priority that the unreached would hear the good news about Jesus. In other words, it's like what was comfortable for Paul was to go be with the Romans, with people that he knew and that he would be comfortable being with. But what was more important than Paul's comfort, watch this. What was more important than Paul's comfort was his ambition for the unreached. That took precedent. That was the priority over his own comfort. 
And we know that's true because Paul would face prison in chains, in beatings, so that the unreached could hear, so that those who've never heard could hear the name of Jesus. Paul's ambition was more important than his own comfort. And as a disciple of Jesus, I want to challenge you with this tonight. If you're a follower of Jesus, your ambition for the unreached should be more important than your own comfort. Just like Paul's. As followers of Jesus, our ambition for the unreached should be more important than our own comfort. It should be. And as a follower of Jesus, I think you would probably say, yes, I agree with that. And I agree with it too, but it's not always true in my life. But if we're going to be serious about following Jesus, and I know some of you are kind of new to this whole game. Maybe you gave your life to Jesus at Raider Church this semester or in the last year. I know there's a lot of you here that are like that or in the last couple of years. My prayer for you is that as you continue to follow Jesus and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus, that this will become more and more true of your life, that your ambition for the unreached will become more important than your own comfort. For Paul, it was more important than his own safety. His ambition for the unreached was more important than his own safety. We tend to think that if something's safe, Maybe that's an open door and that's where God wants us to go. And the New Testament would tell us otherwise. Paul would tell us otherwise. Jesus would tell us otherwise. He told his disciples, you're going to go out like lambs among wolves. And as the good shepherd, he told them to go anyways. He sent them into no danger. Our ambition as we follow Jesus our ambition for the unreached must become more of a priority than our own comfort and our own safety. It was for Paul. And in case you're like, well, what is an unreached people group? What, 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 how do you define that? Well, if you look on the screens, I got a map for you. And um, you'll see on this map, the, the, that red area in Northern Africa, the Middle East and, and Southeast Asia, you'll see those, those red areas on that map. And basically the red areas on the map are what we call the 1040 window, 10 degrees north to 40 degrees north. And that's what we traditionally call the 1040 window where most of the unreached people groups in the world live today. So looking in that map, the green areas of the green countries are considered reach or where there's established church. Those countries, to be green, all you have to be, according to the Joshua Project, who studies these things and studies people groups all over the planet, to be green, you're, you're greater than 5% evangelical Christian. It means there's, there's Christians there, there's a witness there, there's a church there that can take the message of the gospel to the rest of the country. If you're a red country, you're lower than 2% evangelical Christian. And it's believed that there's not yet an established church there, or there's not yet enough followers of Jesus there, or enough Christian workers there to take the gospel to the rest of the country. In a red country, it's common 
today to be born, live, and die and never hear the name of Jesus. Never. To never open a Bible. To never walk into or see a church. That's common. That's, that's every day. For millions and billions of people on the face of our planet that live in these unreached people groups. They will be born, live, and die and never hear the name of Jesus. Never know another Christian. That's what it means to be unreached. To have never heard. And not only to, to have never heard, but to, to not even have the chance to hear. There's not enough Christians there for people to even have the chance the chance to hear one time. Think about how many times in your life you've heard the name of Jesus. You, could, you couldn't even count it. I'm willing to bet for most of us in the room, you couldn't even count the number of times you've heard Jesus. It, it, it wouldn't even make sense to count. It would be like counting the stars. In these red countries, people will be born, live, and die and never hear the name of Jesus and never have the chance to hear can you understand now why Paul would say it's my ambition to preach the name of Christ where he's never been heard? Because people in these countries today, this isn't like 2,000 years ago, this is today, this is now, this is 2017. In the 1040 window in these red countries, you will never have the chance to hear the name of Jesus. So at Raider Church, part of our vision is to see red countries become green countries. We call it red to green, R to G. We want to reach college students in this region with the gospel of Jesus and see their lives dramatically changed. And, and listen, we've had countless stories pouring in all semester about the life change that's happened in, in some of you guys this semester and how God has taken you out of the depths of despair and, and brought you out of that and you're experiencing a new joy and, and, and happiness and peace and fulfillment that you haven't experienced before. And that's amazing. And that's all, that's our vision here at Raider Church, but there's another part to our vision. And sometimes you don't hear it unless you make it to this point in the semester. And it's that we want to see God leverage what's happening here at Raider Church to send hundreds and thousands of college students to those red countries. So that those who have never heard can hear. So that those who don't have a chance to hear could hear. That's part of her vision. And so to focus in on that, we've chosen the country of Thailand. Thailand's in, in Southeast Asia. And right now is about 99% unreached. 99%. About 1% of the people in Thailand have heard the name of Jesus. Many of us, some of you have met some Thai people in, we've had some over here with the church that, that started Raider Church Experience Live. People have hosted exchange students and, and we've asked them and, and, and they've come over here and, and, and many of them have, have never seen a Bible. 
Not, they've never seen it. They knew no one that was a Christian and had no hope to hear the gospel until they came here as an exchange student. And so we've adopted the country of Thailand. We're, we're taking trips there. We're, we're, we're praying for the unreached people groups there. We're, we're, we're focusing our, our, our mobilization and training to, to send people to the country of Thailand. And, and we have some that have gone through our training and said, you know, well, I, I feel called to this country and, and that's great. But, but what, we're tr what we're going for and what we're hoping for and praying for is that God would leverage what's happening here and the life change that we're seeing happen here at Raider Church for the sake of those red countries, specifically the country of Thailand. And so some of the people that are sitting in this room right now you may not know who they are yet. You'll, you'll see them here in just a little bit. Are, are headed to Thailand. We've been doing this for long enough now where we've had people going through our training and our mobilization process to, to actually be close to heading and moving to Thailand so that those who have never heard could hear the name of Jesus. A couple years ago, I heard a message by a guy named David Platt. He's the president of the International Mission Board. International Mission Board is a mission agency here in, in America. It's the largest missions agency on the planet. And uh, he's the president of this uh, missions organization. It's called the International Missions Board. And so David Platt was given a message a couple years ago about how he was hiking through the, the mountains of Nepal. And he came across this village where he saw pillars of smoke. And as he, as he got close, he saw many different fires along the edge of this river that was considered a holy river. And as he got closer, he, he realized that there were piles of bodies that were burning next to this river. You see, they believed in this village that if they burn the bodies close to this river, that as their ashes, as their bodies turned to ash and went into this river, that that would help them in the process of reincarnation. And David said, I'll never forget it. I was listening to him talk about this. It really, it just hearing him talk about this just really marked me. He says he walked up into this village and he got closer and closer and he saw these bodies burning in these piles. He said, I realized that I was looking at a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Jesus said in hell, there would be weeping and gnashing, grinding of teeth because of the pain, the torment for all of eternity. Jesus said that. And Platt said, I was looking at a physical picture of a spiritual reality that people who were born, lived and died in this village and had never heard, never heard the name of Jesus. We're in hell 
at that moment. And then he said this. He said, the reality of unreached people groups must be intolerable. The reality of unreached people, it's on the screen, the reality of unreached people groups cannot be tolerable to us as followers of Jesus. It can't be. It wasn't to Paul. It was his ambition to preach the name of Christ where Christ was not known, where those who had never heard could hear. The reality of unreached people groups can't be tolerable to the disciple of Jesus. It just can't. Because let's get real, folks. Every person, 10 out of 10 people, when they die, they will experience everlasting joy or everlasting what the Bible says. I don't like it. I wish it wasn't true. But just because I don't like something doesn't mean I can change God's word. But that's the reality. And since that's the reality Unreached people groups can't be tolerable to us as followers of Jesus. And because that's true, whether we stay or go, like whether we stay here or whether we go there to the unreached people group, this must be true for every follower of Jesus. We must adopt a wartime mentality. You can write that down. We must adopt, as followers of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, we must adopt a wartime mentality. You might think, what what does that mean? What do you mean by wartime mentality? Well, watch this. In World War II, there was a ready acceptance by a majority of Americans of the need to sacrifice in order to achieve victory. During the spring of 1942, a rationing program was established that set limits on the amount of gas, food, and clothing consumers could purchase. Families were issued ration stamps that were used to buy their allotment of everything from meat, sugar, fat, butter, vegetables, and fruit to gas, tires, clothing, and fuel oil. The United States Office of War Information released posters in which Americans were urged, watch this, to do with less here so they'll have enough there. They were talking about their U.S. troops that were deployed. Do with less here so they'll have enough there. Individuals in communities conducted drives for the collection of scrap metal, aluminum cans, and rubber, all of which were recycled and used to produce armaments like tanks and and jets and planes. Alternative to rationing, Americans planted victory gardens in which they grew their own food. By 1945, some 20 million such gardens were in use and accounted for about 40% of all vegetables consumed in the U.S. Ralph Winter, a noted American missiologist and pioneer in advancing the idea and the education of unreached people groups among Christians, has pointed out that in the Second World War, the luxury ocean liner, the Queen Mary, 
was transformed into a troop transport. Many people slept in a room, like 12 instead of the normal three. The kind of utensils that were used in the now called mess hall were the ones that were used in the beautiful dining room. In other words, they took the fine china and they were using it for the troops in what was now the mess hall because they were at battle. And Ralph said this, about even times here in America, life did not go on as usual. Because in that day, in that time, America was at war. And everyone adopted a wartime mentality. Ralph Winter stressed that God's people in a prosperous land like America simply cannot live as though there were not thousands of unreached people groups who are under enemy control. And so you might think, well, what do we do? Well, some of us, this is what you do in wartime, some of us need to go fight there. And some of us need to support from here. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in one of those two categories. Like as a disciple, you, you don't really have a plan C or an option C. You're either going to fight there or you're supporting from here. But I want to make this clear. The scripture is clear about this. If you're a disciple of Jesus, there's a sacrifice whether you stay or go. There's a huge sacrifice whether, whether you stay or go. Like, if you're going to stay as a disciple of Jesus, then you must have an ambition and must adopt a wartime mentality for the sake of the unreached. Because that's our overwhelming ambition. It's more important than comfort. It's more important than, than safety. We need to adopt. We must have a wartime mentality and an ambition for the unreached if we stay. And so some of us that are going to stay, watch this, it's going to be on the screen, are going to sacrifice stuff here so that others can go there. If you stay, like if you're not going to go to the unreached people group, you're going to stay here. We're going to sacrifice stuff here, wartime mentality, so that others can go there. So this is a little bit uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that's kind of been going on in our family here recently. I debated whether to, to share this or not, and you'll know why here in a second. It's kind of, it's just uncomfortable talking about yourself, but but I, I just, I felt like I needed to share a lot of times when we're talking about these things, like the way I'm trying to live some of this stuff out and the way my family's trying to adapt our lives to this. And so um, it's been our goal to increase our giving to our church, to, to Raider Church, to missionaries, to missions organizations. It's been our goal to increase that giving every year. And this past year, we, we really reached a limit. Like, to continue to live in the house we were living in and save and 
um, and, and, and travel and, and, you know, buy food and clothing and, and things like that to, to, to continue to, to do those things. And we weren't going to be able to give anymore. And so for many reasons to have absolutely zero in debt, to allow us to continue to save more, invest more, to, to travel more, and to give more, we decided to sell our house. And we moved into a duplex. Now, many of you know I've got three kids. And we reduced the square footage on our home by about half. And we moved into a duplex. Now, I don't know what we're going to do. We're, we're there for now. I don't know what we're going to do next. We, we're going to be, continue to be led by the, I don't even know if we'll be in, the, in this country a year from now or two years. I, I don't know. What we're trying to do is moment by moment and season by season be, be led of the Lord. I, I do know and believe we, we won't be going back to what we knew before. Like the kind of house and the size of house that we were living in before. So we sold our house, we, we moved in this duplex for, for many reasons, but one of them was to, to give more. And so recently we were able to start giving more to, to Raider Church. We were able to start giving to two other missions, organizations that, that, that we love that are, that are investing in unreached people groups. And, and we're joining another missionaries support team next year. But we were maxed out. We couldn't do anymore. But our ambition for the unreached must be more important than our own comfort and our own safety. And for now, we're here. And so while we're here, we are called to sacrifice some stuff here and to have a wartime mentality here so that others can go there. Now you might be thinking, I don't, I'm not married, I don't have kids, I don't have a house yet. You're going to. And what I'm hoping will happen is if you end up staying here, you will live a completely different lifestyle than maybe what you'd originally planned because your ambition is for the unreached. And as a disciple of Jesus, you're trying to grow closer and closer and further and deeper into that. Having an ambition for the unreached and living like we're at war because we are and eternities are hanging in the balance. So some of us are gonna stay and we're gonna sacrifice here so that others can go there. Some of us are gonna be goers. And if you're a goer, your ambition is for unreached people groups, just like it was for Paul's, and you're gonna have a wartime mentality. And the way that looks like for you is that you're gonna sacrifice being here so that you can go there. You'll sacrifice being here, the comfort of being here in America so that you can go there. Some of you, that's going to be the case. I pray it's a lot of you. When I was in Thailand the first time, it was January of 2014, and we were in Chiang Mai in northern Thailand, and we met up with a missionary his, uh, that's there that's spent most of his life there, grew up there because he's, he's the son of a missionary. And he took us 
into the mountains in, in northern Thailand into this retirement community. And, and we had just flown in. I, I was groggy, like I, I was so jet lagged, like I was dizzy, I could barely see straight. And, uh, and I'm not even lying about that. Like it was, it was really difficult for me to like even stay awake at this moment. But he, he took us into this retirement village to, to meet with his dad. And I'm kind of like, man, we need to go. I need to sleep. Like I need to get some sleep. Like I'm dying here. And, and we're going to, you know, visit your dad in, his, in this retirement home. So we go there, we sit down with him. And we learn that his dad, Ken Rideout, any day, is going to die. And we would learn that Ken has spent most of his life in Thailand as a missionary to unreached people groups. In 1957, Ken was a very successful pastor in Miami, Florida. So popular, it's such a big deal. He had his own radio program, which was huge back then. But in 1957, his friend, his name was Parker, wrote him a letter from Thailand and said, we need more missionaries in Thailand. There are hardly any workers, hardly any missionaries here in Thailand. And there are millions and millions of people who need to hear the gospel who've never heard before. And so Ken realizing that there were many workers here that could continue to preach the gospel, and there were almost none there, left his successful church and moved to Thailand to be a missionary. And here's what Ken said. In my delirium from the jet lag, I remember him saying this. I mean, I was gripped by his story. Ken said this. You go where you are needed, not where you are comfortable. You go where you are needed, not where you are comfortable. Ken died in Thailand just a few weeks later after we met with him. I'm so grateful that we, our team, got to spend those moments with him, hearing his story of someone who was willing to sacrifice the comforts of being here to go there. Gave almost all of his life so that those who've never heard, just like Paul, could hear the name of Jesus. And just like Paul, was willing to sacrifice his own comfort and even his own safety for his ambition for the unreached. So the question is, do you stay or go? I, I, I mean, right, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, that, that should be what we're thinking or what we're processing. Do, do I stay or, or go and, and how do I know? How do I know? I think most of us usually as Christians, if you've been a Christian for very long, we, our default is to stay. And so we assume if God doesn't write it in the clouds, then we must not be called to go. 
And I'm not sure that's the way we should be living. Rather, I think as a follower of Jesus, we should at least enter a season of seeking God and praying and taking next steps and figuring out if that's where God wants us to go. Paul would oftentimes start going somewhere and then he would say the spirit of God kept us from going that direction. And so he needed to go another direction. But Paul's default was go, it wasn't stay. Paul's default was go, not stay. And so I think a lot of us need to enter a season of where we're trying to go where we're praying and we're asking God, God, do I go and take next steps and go on mission trips and and figure out, God, are you wanting me to go? But entering a season of prayer and seeking the Lord and seeing if that might be where God is leading you instead of just assuming you're supposed to stay. And so what I wanna challenge you to do is something that I've done and I'm continuing to do. I want to challenge you to enter a season where you pray and seek the Lord and take some next steps and you figure out if God stops you and tells you, no, you need to stay. Almost all of us are in the default of staying. Why not enter a season of saying, God, my ambition is for the unreached. And if that's where you want me, then I'm gonna take steps and and I'm gonna pray and and, and I'm gonna head that direction. And and if you stop me, then I'll do what you call me to do. I'll do what you tell me to do. And so here's some things I I, I wanna challenge you to do. There's some things that I've done. Is one, I, I wanna challenge you to go on a mission trip to Thailand. Next semester in May, but the third or fourth week of May, is gonna be our next mission trip to Thailand. And I think some of you need to be on that trip. Depending upon the group that's going and their schedules, they'll they'll determine whether they go that third or, or fourth week of May, depending upon whether some are graduating or not. But I wanna challenge you to go on a mission trip to Thailand and see what God might say to you and what he might speak to you and what he might put on your heart when you go on that trip. And then secondly, I wanna challenge you to do a group, a small group called phase one. It's our first step. It's our first kind of training group to figure out what God is doing in the nations and how you can be a part of that. You're not signing on the dotted line to go to Zimbabwe or anything like that. It's just, you're you're getting into a group where you're you're learning more and, and you're figuring out what, what God might want you to do with other people who are thinking about and praying about the same thing. I did this too. I went through our phase one training. My wife and I did. Because we, we, we wanted to head that direction and then see, see if God said stay. And so we went through phase one. And so I wanna challenge you to do something that I've done. Go on a mission trip to Thailand and then check out one of our phase one small groups. They, they meet during the semester They'll they'll meet on a night of the week that works for you. But what they do is different than our regular LTG small groups that, 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 that meet together for community and Bible study and things like that. They're doing some of those things too, but they're learning about what God's doing in the nations and, and they're starting to do some things here that, that you could do with an unreached people group. And so it just gives you a little bit of a taste. 
and helps you figure out maybe if this isn't something that God would have you to do. So there's those two steps. And if you feel like God is prompting you in this moment to enter that season of seeking God and praying, I wanna challenge you to take out that card that was in your chair, it says R2G on it and just fill it out. And write trip on it or write phase one on it or write both or just fill it out. And I'll tell you what to do with that card here in just a second, but if you feel like God's prompting you to enter a season of seeking God and praying and taking some next steps, then, then fill out that card. Again, it's not signing on the dotted line, it just means you're gonna get a phone call and someone's gonna follow up with you and tell you more about those steps that you can take. Now, guys, like boys, men in the room, I want you to listen to me for just a second. Right now, among unreached people groups, girl Christian workers outnumber guy Christian workers on the rate of about eight to one. That can't be true any longer. Girls, I'm, I'm proud of you guys. Y'all are super spiritual. Us guys, we're, we're not. But I wanna challenge some of you guys to fill out that card and to enter a season of praying and seeking what God might have for you to do. Because if, if we're gonna reach unreached people groups, if those who've never heard are going to hear, we need as many girls to go, but we need a whole lot more guys to go. And so I wanna challenge you, guys, men in the room, Enter a season where you begin to pray and seek God and take some next steps and see what God would have for you to do. My prayer is that it would become normal around here at Raider Church for people to be going to Thailand and to be in phase one and then the next step, which is phase two and, and, and entering those seasons and then even having that confirmed and knowing that they're, they're headed to Thailand and to an unreached people group. I, I'm praying that it will become the norm in here. And so I, I just want you to see a physical representation of people who've kind of been in that season and are, and are taking next steps and even now know that they're headed to an unreached people group or to Thailand. So if you're in the room and you've taken a step, like you've gone on a mission trip to Thailand or you've been in phase one or, or you've been in phase two, if you're in the room and you've done any of those things, you've taken that step, you've, you've entered that season and you're, you're, you're in the middle of that season or maybe you're out of that season, but if you've done that, would you just stand up if that's you? <clears throat> it's becoming more normal. It's becoming more normal. I want you to see that I'm not absolutely crazy because there are people in the room who are doing exactly what, what I've told you about tonight. They're taking next steps. They're seeking the Lord. They've entered that season where they're praying and they're asking God, God, is this what you would have for me? And it's my prayer that more and more people will stand every single semester and this will become more and more normal. Now, would you all stand and join them? Our band's gonna lead us, we're gonna worship. And here's what I wanna challenge you to do with that card. I want you to come and here in just a second, as you feel led, pray about that card and then come and just lay it on the stage. 
And you can do that as you feel led during the rest of our time together. Pray and ask God, God, is this what you want me to do? Would you have me to enter a season of seeking you and praying and taking some next steps to see if this is what you would have for me to do? And if that's you, fill out that card and come and drop it on the stage. And then here's what I wanna challenge you to do next, is to put your yes on the table. We said at the very beginning of this, remember what we said? Yes, Lord. I wanna challenge you to put your yes on the table and then let God put it on the map. Put your yes on the table. We started out praying, God help me in my heart to say, yes, Lord. Put your yes on the table and then let God put that on the map. And wherever he puts that, you're gonna say, yes, Lord. But put your yes on the table and then let him put it on the map. And so when you bring that card up here, the next thing I wanna challenge you to do is take a marker. And this is a nice table, okay? We spent a ton of money on this table, not really, but. But there's a marker up here. I want you to put yes on that table and then sign your initials to it. So tonight, if God's speaking to you, fill out that card, bring it up here, get in line, put your right, write your yes on the table as a physical representation of what God's doing in your life tonight. You're saying, yes, Lord. And then wherever God puts that yes on the map, you're gonna say, yes, Lord, I'm going there. God, in this moment, would you speak to people in a powerful way? God, would you make it our ambition, whether we stay or go, would you make it our ambition like it was for Paul, to see unreached people groups hear about the name of Jesus. God, whether we stay or go, make that our ambition, Father. God, would you help us, whether we stay or go, to adopt a wartime mentality because people's lives, eternities, millions and billions of people, eternities, they're hanging in the balance, God. And so God, help us as disciples, as followers of Jesus, to adopt that wartime mentality and to have an ambition for the unreached that trumps our comfort and that trumps our safety so that one day there will be people in a crowd that's too great to count that will be worshiping the name of Jesus saying all glory and honor belongs to him. In Jesus' name. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed watching today. And if Raider Church has impacted you in any way, we would love to know about it. You can email me, parker at raiderchurch.com. And if you have any questions about Raider Church, please visit our website. Here at Raider Church, our vision is to have every college student come to know Jesus. We want this to be a safe place filled with people who care. Our hope is that Raider Church would become their second home. And so if you would like to partner with us financially, you can go to raiderchurch.com give. It's amazing to see what God is doing here and we want you to be a part of it. So welcome home.